Today we have Angela Harders, and she is going to discuss biblical context of important words used in the Bible regarding disciplining children and punishing adults. She is going to share different ways that you can interact with your children so that you can discipline your children in the ways Jesus disciplined his disciples throughout the Bible. We all know that parenting is hard work and life can get busy. We've done the research to help you. So let's dig deep with Leanne Mancini and work together to help you raise strong Christian kids. Welcome back, Angela. I'm so happy to have you again for the second session. And so you talked about spare the rod, spoil the child last time we talked and how that phrase is not biblical. And you corrected the biblical term, and it's found in four of the Proverbs. Could you share those Proverbs with us, or or share one of the Proverbs with us, because they're all basically the same, and tell us what does it mean for the rod and for the child? Who is the child? Who is the rod? Who wrote this verse, and who is it addressing? Yes. So one of the most popular Proverbs, when I tell people that the phrase, spare the rod and spoil the child, is not in the Bible, most of the time, they will respond to me by saying, oh, but Proverbs 23, 13, and 14. And actually, let me pull that up. All right. So this one here, it says, do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish them with a rod, they will not die. Punish them with the rod and save them from death. That's the new international version. I want to read you a different version. So the King James version says, withhold not correction from the child. For if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod, and thou shalt deliver his soul from hell. A little bit different. All right, I'm going to read you another translation. The ESV version, the English Standard Version, says, Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with the rod, he will not die. If you strike him with the rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. All right, so there are three different versions of the same scripture. And as you can see, every verse has kind of different words that they're using in order to to communicate what this proverb is trying to say. So there are kind of two different, well, there are a couple different things that's important for us to know as we're seeking to understand this scripture properly. The first thing is the word discipline. So in our last session, we talked about the fact that discipline in the Bible does not refer to physical punishment. Discipline in scripture means verbal teaching and instruction. That's why it's the same root word as the word disciple. It comes from the same idea that we're meant to teach and instruct our children. The other word that's really important for us to understand in these Proverbs verses is the word child. So this is this was huge for me. When I understood what the, what the child phrase was, that changed everything for me. And so for those of you who, who maybe missed the first one, my name is Angela. My background is in applied linguistics with a focus in Bible translation. So I am really committed to accurately understanding the Bible and accurately interpreting the Bible, which is going to help us accurately apply the Bible. So when we're looking at these verses here, the word child in Hebrew is actually the Hebrew word nad. And the Hebrew word nad means a legal adult that is typically between the ages of 13 and 17. Yeah, not a child, not a little kid. That, that, when I read that in your book, it blew me away. Yeah. It's not a child. Yeah, me, too. me too. When I learned that, I was like, what? And what was the purpose of the rod? So this is this is really interesting kind of debate as well, something to kind of consider. 
there are some people that argue that the rod is a figurative rod. And I think there is a good scriptural basis for that thinking. There are lots of other proverbs. For example, there's another proverb that says that in the in the mouth of the foolish is a rod of pride, right? So obviously there's not a literal rod of pride in someone's mouth. That rod is meant to simply be a figurative rod. We're not thinking that there's a literal rod in, in people's mouths. There's another one that says the rod of correction. Again, will drive, you know, will drive folly far from a child. So same thing. The rod of correction is not a literal rod. It's a it it was a figurative rod in that sense. But it is also important to note that there is a literal component to these to these passages, right? So when we look at biblical biblical times and ancient times, they did use rods as a way to punish people. But it's important for us to know who was punished with a rod. So first of all, rods were very common in administering corporal punishment, not from a parent to a child, but almost like capital punishment in the way that we would use the electric chair, right? We don't use corporal punishment nowadays in our, in our modern judicial system, but in ancient judicial systems, they absolutely would. So in that case, a person would have to go before a judge. They would have to be convicted of an actual legal crime. And then they were taken out and, and there were specific people, elders in the community were, that were meant to administer this punishment. And again, this was punishment to a legal adult for someone who had broken a crime, like who had committed a crime, who had broken a law. These were not punishments that were administered to children. They were only meant for legal adults, which is why that Hebrew word na'ad is so important because they're saying, yes, like that they believed that it was important to administer corporal punishment in that time to legal adults, to teenagers that were acting foolishly. And yeah, so, but there's just, there's no biblical basis for us as parents to assume that that means us as parents are supposed to do that to our children. Yeah, and 13 years old, they were getting married. They weren't like children today. They were young adults, really, getting married. They were having babies. So we know that these Proverbs, these four Proverbs, were written by King Solomon for the purpose of training his sons to be king one day, correct? And that has a, a very important element also. Yeah, I think it's really important for us to know that Proverbs 1, it starts out right from the beginning and says, these are the Proverbs of Solomon. Proverbs of Solomon, not commands from God. It's not a parenting book, right? This is not the book of parenting. These are commands from Solomon, who is king of Israel, in order to teach his sons a wise way to live. And we know that this book is not talking about parenting little toddlers, because the majority of Proverbs is talking about adult topics like drunkenness and adultery and war and, you know, all of these other like adult topics that are not applicable to us as parents that are trying to raise little kids, right? And so understanding the context of that, we we just, I think it's really foolish for us to assume and misinterpret and think that, you know, take these four verses out of context and say, oh, this is what God wants us to do for our parenting. We're commanded by God to do this to our little children when we have no concept of the context of the culture or who the book was written to or why it was written and the context that those verses are contained in. If you want to dig in deeper, get gospel-based parenting. Angela does a really great job talking about this topic, spare the rod, spoil the child, which is not even a biblical verse, as she has explained. And if you haven't listened to the first episode of Angela, please do. It's really great. We don't want you to miss anything that she has said in the first episode that we had with her, the the past episode. 
So Angela, we could go on for days. You have so much wisdom. I'm so thankful that you're sharing your wisdom. It makes sense to me that if you have a two-year-old and you're telling them not to hit their friend, but yet you're hitting them, that's like a mixed message in itself. Also, please share an example of how we can discipline with a positive attitude and a humble spirit. So the first half of my book is kind of deconstructing these ideas, the whole spanking argument. It's saying, okay, what does the Bible really say about spanking? And and I really try to leave you with no doubt in your mind that, that we really do have zero biblical basis to hit our children as a form of discipline. Now, that being said, when I realized that, I was really left as a parent with this okay, well, what now, right? Like, I know what I don't want to do, but I don't know what I want to do. And and so if I'm not going to use this parenting tool, spanking, if I'm not going to use that anymore, what am I going to do instead? Because we're not just going to, you know, have chaos and and not set boundaries and and not do anything because we are commanded to discipline our children. So again, what does biblical discipline look like? And if we want to understand what biblical discipline truly looks like, We need to look to Jesus and we need to see how does Jesus discipline his disciples. Again, the word discipline has that same root word, discipline and discipling. And so when we look to see how did Jesus interact with his disciples, we can see the way that we are called to interact with our children. And so I actually wrote the second half of my book is giving you 12 different ways that you can interact with your children so that you can discipline your children the way that Jesus disciplined his disciples. And some of those ways are by modeling, by teaching, showing compassion, forgiving them, correcting them, training them, instructing them, all of these different tools that Jesus used with his disciples in order to be able to teach them and correct them and model for them the way that they should be and live. And so those are the kinds of things that that we should be doing with our children. And that is the way that God has called us to discipline our children. And can you give us one example before we wrap up of how you would discipline, say, in a positive manner, maybe a child who is mouthy? (laughs) Children could be very mouthy and talk back. Yeah. Okay. So I have found that rather, someone asked me once, they're like, how do you handle when your child disobeys? And and I actually responded and and I said, "I, I don't because I don't give them the opportunity. And what I meant by that is, when you give someone a command, it automatically sets you up for this power and control dynamic where it's a me versus you and the child has a choice. They can either obey and do what you said, or they can disobey and not do what you said. And that's when we get into these conflicts with our children of like, I told you to do this. And they're kind of digging in their heels and saying, no, I'm not going to do that. And, And it creates so much tension in the relationship. But rather than giving a child a command, if we can give our child a choice instead, that's going to do a lot of different things for them. One, it removes the power and control dynamic because they're having choice in the matter of what's happening to them. And two, it's empowering our children to know that they are capable of making their own choices for their own life. So it's helping them practice their decision-making skills, critical thinking skills. So for example, rather than telling my child, okay, go, you know, brush your teeth and go to bed, I would ask them okay, we're going to, we're going to get ready for bed. And I tell them it's time for us to go to bed. Would you like to brush your teeth first? Or do you want to read a book first? So we're going to bed, but you have a choice about how we're going to do that. I'm not just forcing you and, and manipulating you and threatening you to do something 
we're going to bed. Do you want to do this first or this? And then they pick and then they feel great. And then another strategy that I use sometimes, I'll tell them, okay, we have to go to bed. What are three things that we have to do before we go to bed tonight? And and that gives them the choice where they have to ask and they love it. It's like a game to them. They're like, oh, what do we have to do? What do we have to do? But they're coming up with the things. And, you know, and and sometimes they come up with really like silly things that they want to do, but it removes all of that tension around, you know, I told you to go to bed and you're not listening and why aren't you obeying me? And like, none of that is there because we're, we're working together. It's not a me versus you. It's an us versus some problem or some challenge or some tasks that we need to do. I love that. You have such wisdom. I'm so happy to have you on the show. How can people find your books and find you and what you're doing and find out about PAX Ministries and everything else? Yes. So our website is paxministries.com, P-A-X ministries.com. And I also have all my books are on my website. Um, I also have peacefulworldschoolers.com. That's my website that is specifically talking about gentle parenting and homeschooling and world schooling. My books are available on Amazon. And like I said, you can also find them on my website. And I would love for you to connect with me on Instagram at Peaceful World Schooler or TikTok at Peaceful World Schooler. And as you mentioned, I also have a YouTube channel, which is called Peaceful World Schoolers. And I have my own podcast as well, which is called the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast. Thank you, Angela. God bless you. Keep writing, keep researching, keep telling us the meaning of words because it's so important. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. And this is how we all work together to raise strong Christian kids. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app.